0: Listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist and family nurse practitioner, and I'm really excited for today's show. I'm trying to schedule this guest. You know, it's been, you know, nurses, we have crazy schedules, uh, but it's here. And you know what? I have to say, things happen when they're supposed to happen because I really need this message today. And I have some things to get off of my chest because I don't know about you guys, but have you ever experienced like a a challenge, an obstacle, a delay in something, or maybe something just didn't go as you had planned your life to be. And so we get disappointed, but we have to pick the pieces back up together and life goes on. So, but that's sometimes hard to do. So it's really good when you can hear other stories, hear other people how they went through it, pick up some tips, and just know you're not alone because life can get really hard out there. But we also have to be mindful of, sometimes what we think is hard, is easy peasy for someone else considering the challenges that they've gone through. So let's use that as inspiration to know that if someone else can get through something challenging, you can too. So of course I have the best guest who's gonna talk to us about overcoming challenges and do it just shining, just looking so great and looking so flawless. But she's going to talk about, you know, her challenges, her struggles and what she's doing now, which I really, really admire. So our guest today is Ryan Mason. She is a nationally recognized disability advocate. She's a registered nurse, of course, adaptive athlete, published model, proud member of the LGBTQIA community. I mean, she's an experienced public speaker, sexuality educator. And just a loudmouth Southern Belle. She said it, so I'm going to say it too. Uh, She also runs, you've seen her on social media. She runs a social media platform, Chronically Rye, uh, where she posts videos, photos, and write-ups sharing her life and her life experiences living with a chronic illness and degenerative disability. She's also, get this, reigning Miss Wheelchair Virginia. And, you know, she's held that title since... Uh, 2019 she's also recently received a lifetime achievement award from miss wheelchair america foundation for her advocacy work so she's gone through a lot and look at this she's shining flawlessly guys so we're gonna get you know all of the tips from her because she is really a role model and someone we should look to because when life gets tough you can't just ball up in a corner and just let life pass you by you gotta pick things up and get things going and that's exactly what she's done and you know what she's been featured everywhere forbes scrubs Vision magazines, like uh, numerous publications. And thankfully she's had some time this morning. She worked last night. So she's staying up for us to talk to us on the podcast. Please welcome to the show, Ryan. Hi. Hey, thank you
1: so much for having me and for that intro. (laughs)
0: Girl, you deserve it. You deserve it. I mean, you're so accomplished and such a role model uh, to so many people, to so many people. You give people a voice as well for all of your advocacy works in the multiple arenas. And before we jump into all that, can you tell the folks who are listening, because um, you're a nurse, you have a disability, you're in a wheelchair. So I think many people want to know, who, who may not know your story, you know, can you tell us about how you got into nursing and, um, you know, how you were able to do that with your current condition?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So for those of you who do not know me, um, like I said, my name is Ryan, I am a registered nurse, and I am somebody that's living with a disability, degenerative disability and chronic illness. So I was actually born with a disability called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. It is a genetic collagen disorder that causes all of the collagen in my body to be too stretchy or too lax. Basically what collagen is, is the glue that holds us together. So my skin's very stretchy. I have poor wound healing. My joints dislocate very easily. um, And it even goes on to affect all of my organs. I've had organs removed because they were stretched out. My heart valve is stretchy. I mean, everything. But I wasn't actually diagnosed until I was 16, i growing up. I was just a really flexible kid. Uh, my mom always joked about selling me to the circus uh, because I'd be rolling around with my feet behind my head, did gymnastics. I mean, every, I was just a monkey, <laughs> but I was also constantly injuring myself, for um, oh, no. roll, rolled ankles, um, head injuries from falls, just weird little things that I was constantly in and out of the ER and my family just thought, oh yeah, well, she's just clumsy. And so it was right around the time we were kind of wondering, like, maybe this is a bit more than just a clumsy kid. I was a dancer. I was about 16 years old. And I remember my mom, we were sitting in the ER and we were there for, I think it was head injury number like 10. Wow. <laughs> and she looks at me and she's like, Ryan, if we're going to be in here a whole lot, you know, like you might as well get paid to push the stretcher. Now, at this time in my life, I was not interested in math or science or healthcare at all. I come from a family of artists, dancers, musicians, like not Mm. scientific people. And the thing about me is if you tell me I can't do something, I'm probably gonna try and do it. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to become an EMT. So that's what I did. I signed up for night classes and became an emergency medical technician and worked on ambulances from high school all through college. But right around the same time that I signed up for that fateful EMT class, I was diagnosed with my disorder um, and was told that I would most likely be in a wheelchair by the time I was 20. Well, um, I did not really pay any attention. I was like any other dumb 16-year-old that thought I was invincible. I said, you know, well, right now, the only thing that's bothering me is I have a shoulder that dislocates 100 times a day, but it goes back in, it doesn't hurt. I'm fine. (laughs) So I went on, um, worked as an EMT all through high school and college. And it wasn't until college that my disability started to really rear its ugly head, ended up having to have both of my shoulders um i had my joints tightened down to no motion and i had to stretch them out in physical therapy over several months um started having to use a cane on and off but it still wasn't enough to really stop me and slow me down in college i was gonna study nursing but the wait list was way too long so i studied studied human sexuality instead did that for a hot second and ended up going to nursing school right after and never really stopped. It wasn't until I was 26 that I actually ended up needing my wheelchair as my mobility continued to progress. My hips Mm -hmm. dislocate every time I take a step. So do my knees and my ankles. I can walk, but I look kind of like a pregnant duck. And so (laughs) that's a a little fast forward of how I ended up in my wheelchair.
0: Right. I have to ask. So you were 16 when you got this diagnosis and if I can recall when we're 16, we're not really thinking about much of anything about, except for what we're doing with our friends and you know, all that kind of music and whatever else, fashion arts and just fun, right? We're living our lives. As you started to get older and you were still having these injuries, you said that you went and became an EMT. Mm -hmm. So even when you became an EMT and started to get more awareness to like healthcare issues terms and what th- certain things mean at that point, were there any doubts? Were are there any questions about like, what am I doing? Can I do this? Or are you just like gung ho? I'm just going to do this. What were you thinking and feeling during that time? As you started to learn more about the medical field and what this might possibly mean for you. I don't think it was until I was probably a junior or
1: senior in college I remember I had one of my very few completely EDS unrelated injuries. I broke every bone in one of my feet dancing, not related at all. I was just clumsy. (laughs) And I remember I was on, I was in a walking boot and I was on crutches. It took for about six months because it took so long to heal because of my disability. But at that same time, I remember I was going to class using my crutches and I went to open a door. and my shoulder dislocated, just opening the door. So then I'm sitting there. I remember sitting in the, in the bathroom of my school at the time, holding my shoulder and looking at my foot and just sobbing because now I have, I I can't use this arm. I have this broken foot. And it just kind of felt like slowly my body was falling apart. And I was just like, what, how am I supposed to keep doing this? Is this what my life is going to continue to be? Am I just Mm -hmm. going to keep falling apart until I can't function anymore. And that's when I was just like, no, no, I can't. I could, I can choose to keep sitting in this bathroom and feeling sorry for myself, or I can stand up and figure it out. So I did, I figured out how to use one crutch and get around with my arm in a sling and my foot in a boot and kind of just took that, Moment. I mean, there've been several moments like that throughout my life where you kind of had to stop, regroup, and say, okay, new plan. Um, Before I went to school and before I really chose healthcare and nursing, there was a time where I was a dancer, and I danced all through middle school, high school, and through college, and I wanted to dance professionally. And there was that moment where that diagnosis, the doctor said, you cannot do this. And that's when I had to regroup and say, okay new plan. And that's when I said, all right, I really like what I'm doing as an EMT. Let's try healthcare. And that's kind of how I spun off down that lane. And it's really those moments that have always been the most defining moments of my life. And it didn't feel like it at the time. Absolutely. Honestly, I just realized, I don't think I have thought about that moment in the bathroom or talked about it on any other podcast until this very moment, (laughs) because it's just, it's one of those things that you don't realize how much it changes your life until you're looking back and for me all it was was opening a door and here we are
0: it's like one of those dramatic moments you would see in a movie it's like a pivotal Mm -hmm. important moment where you decide because and i'm already getting emotional i haven't even told my story (laughs) um and and ryan knows my story a little bit I, i i talked to her previously about this but it but let me just focus on you so you have this moment where you're in the bathroom and you're like, possibly overwhelmed, You know, broken foot, dislocated shoulder arm, trying to go to school of all things, right? When so many people have like quit or stop at much less adversity or challenges, you chose to be a fighter and you're like, you know what? I can't just roll over and crumble and let life pass me by. Let me pull myself together and decide for myself that I am going to do this i am going to move forward in life i'm going to you know make the best of what i have and damn it if i have lemons i'm gonna make some good ass lemonade lemon meringue pie whatever i'm a i'm a what do you call that when you put the zest on everything like the, the the peelings whatever that's called but like you didn't give up and that i think that's so important for people to that are listening because so many people they might be having some personal family issues, relationship issues, school issues. You might be in your last semester of nursing school, like on the cusp, one point away from failing. And you cannot give up. You've come so far in life. You have all these goals, these aspirations. Sometimes your plans have to change and they have to pivot a little bit, but you can't give up. So the reason why I was getting emotional before I even told y'all is because I was in this massive car accident. And I, I haven't really talked about this much, but I literally woke up after the car accident and couldn't walk, couldn't control my bowels, my bladder. Like I couldn't do anything for myself. And I remember being in that hospital bed, like, okay, Alice, this is it. You can either not fight or fight to get your life back. And that's what I did. I had to like, over the next 12, 16 months, I had to learn how to re-walk again. I had to learn how to use a bathroom. And here I am as an adult with my younger sibling helping me. And guys, I have to say, there were several times where I just wanted to give up and just like fade to black, but I couldn't, even if I wanted to, I couldn't. And I'm not even going to lie. There were times where I was just like, I wonder what would happen if I wasn't here? Because I was so disappointed with how I thought my life had changed. But I remember, and this was one of the reasons why I wanted to be a nurse. There was one particular nurse and i don't know her name and she sat and she talked to me and she's like alice you gotta fight you can't just roll over and give up on life because something changes you have so much to live for and i don't i think in those moments we get so overwhelmed that we don't think about all of the future that's ahead of us sure it might look a little different but who's to say that different still you can't still be happy and satisfied in that different. so Gosh, now my nose is all runny, Ryan. Like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) But but this is why I really, really admire Ryan. And it also feels good to know that I'm not alone in feeling that something that could be so life changing, you live through it, life changes. But you're living and you're living uh, a wonderful and fruitful life, which like Ryan, let's let's get into some of the other things. So, you know. You you st- you go to EMT school. You still go to nursing school. You become a nurse. You end up having to get a wheelchair when you're 26, but you're still nursing. Mm-hmm. Like, t- talk talk us through through that. <laughs> what were your thought process once you got to that point? And you're still young. You're beautiful. You're smart. You have like this all this passion inside of you. What were you thinking at 26 that? kept you going and by the way she wasn't just going y'all she was going you see this this lady has done so much so much but let's let the 26 let's talk about it 26. (laughs)
1: So um, after nursing school, I my first job out of nursing school was in the ER. So back where I started, all places, all the, all places. I was like, this is this is my place. This is where I I, I know it. I love it, and and it was hilariously enough the one place that scared me more than anything. And I said, well, I, I don't want to be scared anymore. Let's let's dive right in. Mm-hmm. So I started in the ER, and I was the, it was the very first time in my life since having to give up dance all those years ago that I was like. I finally found it. I found my place. I found my calling. This is what I want to do. I was absolutely that trauma junkie. I lived, slipped, and breathed emergency medicine. If I wasn't in the ER working way too many hours, I was home watching ER medical dramas and reading up on new trauma reports. I mean, total ER nerd. Mm -hmm. Um, My goal was to become a flight nurse, all I wanted. And it was a time in my life where my disability was kind of I was doing pretty good. I had found uh, weightlifting, had gotten some more stability in my joints. Um, at this point, my organs hadn't been affected yet, um, that I knew of, and life was good. And then, slowly but surely, I had been in the ER for about five, going on six years, and my hip, which at one point my left hip was a party trick that I could pop out on command, slowly started slipping out, once a day, twice a day. Every time I took a step and I started falling, um, I started at home and then I fell at work. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like the nail in the coffin for me. I was like, I can't do this because the next time I fall, it could be with someone's grandma on my arm. It could be with a patient and I Mm -hmm. cannot do this. So I was like, I need to get my health under control and then I can go from there. So I decided that I was going to take a job away from the bedside. I took a job in case management while I figured out my mobility issues and was planning on staying on part-time in the ER so I could still do what I love to do just on a smaller scale. But as fate would have it, paperwork and legalities and things messed up and suddenly that part-time job in the ER was no more. And so the ER was ripped away from me much faster than I expected. And in that exact same time, I'd gone into physical therapy. I had been in and out of physical therapy since I was 11 for like every joint you could possibly imagine, but I'd gone back in again. It was like, Hey guys, I'm back. This My legs. And they took one look at me and they're like, yeah, you know how you were coming in here to look at forearm crutches thinking it's time for the wheelchair and I was just dumbfounded I mean everybody has like their elevator story right so you have that little synopsis of yourself that somebody asks you a question you you got it right there mine when people ask me what was wrong with me I'd be like oh I've got this genetic joint disorder it'll put me in a wheelchair by the time I'm 20 but look at me I'm fine now and for it to go from my elevators feel to this big clunky wheelchair sitting in my living room staring at me and me not able to get off the couch without assistance was just it was it was awful. It was heartbreaking. It was just like you said, laying there, unable to do anything from your for yourself, not knowing what's next, and thinking, you know, maybe life would be better off if I wasn't here. Maybe this would all be easier. And you know, had some really really awful down moments. Something that I. Advocate heavily for is mental health care when it, I mm-hmm. mean, in general, <laughs> specifically right. when it comes to mobility limiting disabilities or disabilities at all. Okay. Yeah. So I'm this moment in my life where I'm kind of faced with this wheelchair that's just sitting in front of me. And I'm kind of at this crossroads in my life where I'm, you know, I'm, it's really starting to hit me that my goals and my dreams and all this work that I have put into the ER and becoming a flight nurse was just at this time in my life, I thought all for naught. I'm like, all right, well, I've been doing this this whole time. And now what? EDS is going to take away another dream of mine. Like, and so it was a really, really hard time for me. And, you know, the world and the universe works in mysterious ways. And I, like I said, took a job away from the bedside and started working in case management. And so um, I was still in the hospital. I was still an acute care case manager. So I was still seeing patients at their bedsides. And this is the first time in my life where I'm working in a hospital in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say I hated every second of it, but I hated every second of it because (laughs) I was there in this atmosphere in the hospital where I love growing up we'd take vacations and I would get my parents to stop at different hospitals in different towns. So I could look and see what they look like and sit in the waiting rooms. That's how much like hospitals feel like home to me. (laughs) So I was in this place that used to make me feel so happy and make me feel at home. But I felt like such an outsider because I was in this chair that I wasn't quite comfortable yet. I didn't know how to maneuver, but being the only wheelchair healthcare practitioner in my hospital, I was constantly kind of having to advocate for myself and explain, yes, I'm still a nurse. Yes, I can still do this. And it took the reactions from my patients to really make me realize, wait a minute, I am still a nurse. I will never forget the first patient, this one patient I rolled into his room in my white coat at the time. And he was just like, I had a whole conversation with him. You know, I'm helping him get mobility equipment for home, set him up with home health, just my normal case management job. Mm -hmm. And he stops me and he goes, you know, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. And I was like, oh, as a nurse. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. He goes, no, you are the first person who has come in here and you rolled into my room and you looked me in the eye. And I knew that you knew what it was like to be laying here in this bed. You knew what it was like to have these people come in and swarm you in white coats and look down over you and talk to you in this language that doesn't even sound like English. You came in here and you talked to me like a person and I knew that you knew how it felt and therefore I trusted you and just thank you. And that was the moment that I was like, you know what? I think I can do more than this. And so that was the moment I started deciding that I wanted to get back to bedside. I had absolutely no idea how I was going to do it. At the time, I didn't know a single nurse in a wheelchair. I'd never even heard of that happening. I had certainly never met one. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. And around that time, COVID reared its ugly head. And as luck would have it, my hospital was short nursing assistants. Mm -hmm. And they were asking nurses to come and take shifts as nursing assistants. And I said, hey. Do that, you guys give me a chance. Not only will I be able to prove to you that I can do it, it's also a chance for me to prove to myself that I can do these basic nursing skills that I've done for so many years sitting down. And so I did it and realized, wait a second, I can do a whole heck of a lot more than I thought I could. I think I can do this as a full time job. So I started there and I began the application process, and it took me 17 18 applications before somebody gave me a shot and now i'm practicing as a postpartum nurse on wheels the first in my hospital's history at a level one trauma center and that's amazing love it every day
0: right you just said so much stuff that i just kind of want to unpack and i know we'd be here all day but first off congratulations on getting back to the bedside which i know is a goal and a dream of yours. And let me say, even though you did 17 applications, it only takes one. You guys, if you can apply to, I don't care if you apply to hundred nursing schools and you get 99 no's, all you need is one yes to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we might sometimes think like, oh my gosh, my, my dreams or my goals are kind of crazy, but it's not, it's only crazy until it happens. So it's so important that we keep this crazy faith and this crazy passion to match those quote-unquote crazy goals because it's going to happen. You just got to stick to it. And Ryan, it's refreshing to hear someone with your, I don't even know what the word is. I'm going to say stick to it because <laughs> I couldn't think of a word to just not throw in the towel, to not give up um, and be an inspiration while you're doing it. Because when that patient told you, you know what it's like being in the bed. I know, listen, after my accident, and it took, and you guys, I was out of any type of patient care, anything, because I also had medical equipment. I had pain. I had like neuropathies. I had a whole bunch of stuff that I was going through. I was scared to go back in the hospital because there were like all these reminders of what it was like to be a patient. And it doesn't really feel good to be a patient. And I know nurses mean well and we care, but sometimes some of y'all, and I'm, you know who I'm talking to, come i a point right at you. Some of you guys need to be more sensitive, more compassionate, take more time with your patient, especially if you've never had a lived experience as being a patient, because you can say something or not say something and it could change someone's whole perspective on life, how they approach their plan of care, whether they're going to adhere to it or not. And so Ryan, when I think that patient, when that patient saw you, you probably like inspire that patient as you inspire people every day in your journey and the things that you do. Honestly, you are an inspiration and to not, give up. And when you were met with a challenge, you, did, you still didn't throw in the towel, you pivoted. Okay, well, I can't do this. Well, I'm still do case management. I'm still going to do nursing somehow, some way. So it's an important message to people who are listening that your nursing doesn't have to look like the next person's nursing. It really doesn't. Okay. And that's one of the beautiful things about nursing. You, wherever there's a patient need, a patient care, patient issue, I don't care if it's in the home, it's in the school, it's in a correctional facility, it's in the hospital you know, it could be, I don't know, outside at a park, whatever. Nurses are needed and you can do nursing any way, anything that's going to meet the patient's need and help them in their health journey is nursing. You're going to, you're going to help meet that need. And Ryan, you've been such an inspiration to people as you've done it, inspiring yourself. But let me ask what has been your support in doing this? Cause you're so strong. We're leaning on you. We're looking at you. Well, Ryan, who does Ryan lean on? Who does Ryan look to? Like, where do you get your mojo from? Where's that energy source? Where's that support system for you?
1: Biggest one was definitely my family. I come from a line of very strong women, uh, very, very strong, determined women who um, basically, they were not going to take my shit. (laughs) They did not care that my legs did not work. They did not care. It was just, I remember... I called my sister around the time where I was just, I didn't know what to do. I, I I couldn't work in the ER anymore. I hated my job as a case manager. I didn't, I didn't think I could work bedside. And I said, I, you know, I, I don't want to work behind a computer the rest of my life. I don't want to do this. And I call her and she's like, so, so what are you complaining about? Figure it out. Get out there. Why can't you be a nurse anymore? know, And she immediately, she's on Instagram. She's finding me other nurses in wheelchairs. She goes, look, it exists. There are people out there. You can do this. Wow. You need to do research. You need to find other people who are struggling with the same things you are because you are not the only one. And that was about the time that I discovered there isn't, there's an organization, the National Organization of Nurses with Disabilities. And so I called them up and I found out, oh, there's a whole bunch of us. I met nurses who had worked 20, 30 years and had spinal cord injuries. And Mm -hmm. now we're teaching in nursing schools or having to teach remotely or teaching clinicals or still working in some other capacity. There's, like you said, in nursing, there's just so much that we can do. Your level of ability really Mm -hmm. has no hindrance. There is still a place for you in the field of nursing. So without my family, there's absolutely no way I could continue on. And then when I got to bedside, um, so I started last April Mm -hmm. and I am blessed beyond belief. My partner happens to also be a very strong disabled woman and um, she is currently training for the Paralympics. Uh, wow. hand cycle, and I watch her train six, seven hours a day on her hand cycle in our living room because of COVID. And I'm complaining about trying to push my wheelchair at work. And she's like, what are you doing? You inspire people every day. Get up, mm-hmm. get out there. Yeah, it's hard. Of course, it's going to be hard. You're the first person. It's got to be hard for someone so it's easier for other people. And that's what I continually remind myself on my worst days, on the days where I have to constantly ask for help because all of the meds that I need out of the Pixis suddenly are on the top shelf. That was last night, Lord have mercy. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things that I have to be like, hey, hey, I'm here now. You guys have to remember that I'm here now so that there can be more of me. And yes. that's what nursing's all about. That's why we get into this field. It's to help mm-hmm. other people and yeah. Most nursing stations that I've worked at are not made for people in wheelchairs, most hospitals are not made for employees in wheelchairs, but I take it one day at a time, and if I need support, I lean on my friends, my family, and my followers on my platform are also amazing sources of support because I get messages every day of, oh my gosh, I read your story and I immediately got the gumption I needed to go over whatever my goal was. And that's why how I know even on my worst days, even if I wasn't able to be back at bedside nursing like I've able to do, when I was in that in-between period, I got these messages and this feedback from people who I was helping and I was inspiring. And that's why I'm a nurse. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I'm so glad you got those messages because although so thankful for your family and by the way you guys when you're going through something you don't have to go through it alone in an isolation Ryan reached out to an organization of nurses with other disabilities she had a strong family and it's really important that when you're going through something that you, sometimes it's easy for us to isolate we withdraw like we want to. Crawl up into a ball or in a corner and kind of fade to black. But it's so important that we surround ourselves with lots of love, light, energy, and positivity, and motivation because that will empower you to take the next step when you might be afraid to do so. And and Ryan, with this wonderful support group, has been able to continue to move forward. And you know, and while still even being met with challenges like last night with the, everything on the top shelf, the irony in this is that there's beauty in that because in that experience when Ryan was asking for help, not only was she learning still, you know, how to adapt and still move forward, but it was, she was teaching her coworkers and her establishment like, hey, maybe we need to adjust this differently so for people who have disabilities, so they can do things like it raises awareness to some of the issues in the workplace that some people may not be aware of until someone speaks up. So Ryan, you've been definitely an advocate and a voice for not only nurses with disabilities, but other people. And I'm using the term disability. Guys, we've been talking more about the physical part of it, but there are some disabilities that you just can't see with the naked eye. I shouldn't be speaking for Ryan, but I'm going to say she's young, she's beautiful. I'm young, I'm beautiful. Sometimes it's hard when people see us, they're like, what do you mean you have a disability? Like we kind of have this stereotype that it's someone who's older, like in their 90s, who has gray hair. And that's not what disability looks like. There is no one face to it. You can be young. You can be old, you can be any color, any religion, any gender, like any identity, like you have to be aware of these things and not just assume that because someone doesn't look, quote unquote, look like they have a disability that there's not. Okay. So let's just be open-minded and more receptive to things like that. But Ryan, you've been an advocate. So you've been doing a lot of advocacy work outside of, you know, taking care of yourself. Which is one we should always make sure you take care of yourself you got to fill your cup up so you know you're not pouring from an empty cup you're taking care of patients you're still doing nursing and you still have you know you have a relationship and then outside of that like as if there's enough time in the day you're doing advocacy work so tell us about um some of the advocacy work and the things that you're doing, and how you became to be Miss Wheelchair of Virginia. Sure. Gosh, this lady, like, she got time, y'all. I don't know where this. But Please. see, when you have energy and you're doing positive things, this passion comes out, and it just you know fuels your fire. So go ahead, tell us tell us how your fire's fueled and all this work you're doing.
1: Uh, mainly coffee. No, <laughs> Co-
0: Coffee's good. Coffee is good.
1: No, um, you're absolutely right. Um, once I kind of realized that my love for helping others didn't have to just be in my workplace, that I could use, like, I like you said, when you read my bio, I got like 70 million interests and a bunch of irons in the fire. And like, I, in that I've been that way since I was a kid. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I like lots of things and I want to learn everything I can. And I am slowly realizing that all of those things can come together in my advocacy work. And so, What I do is mainly through my platform, Chronically Rye, I do a lot of education. And that's kind of where it started, was just as a place. I started my Instagram as a diary for what I was going through when I began losing my mobility. That's really all it was, just a place for me to talk about, because my disability was invisible until I started needing these mobility aids in my 20s. And so I was so used to having my EDS be something that I could just put away when I wanted to and then bring it back out that when it started kind of being something I couldn't hide anymore, it, it took me a little while to deal with that. And so I started this Instagram and it kind of took off a little bit. And I had worked with photographers and in the past I'd always hidden my mobility aids. And so I started doing more photo shoots with my wheelchairs, with my canes, whatever I was using at the time. And one of those photographers reached out to me and he okay. said, um, hey, there's this pageant coming to your town and it's a, it's this advocacy-based pageant, it's called Miss Wheelchair Virginia, you should go out for it. And I said, okay, looked at him like he had about three heads. I said, half my head's shaved, I've got tattoo sleeves, and other, every other word is generally a curse word. What about that, says pageant to you? And he said, no, 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 it's advocacy-based, it's mainly public speaking. I said, all right, you know what, I'll try. It was right around, I hadn't been in a wheelchair very long, I really needed something to pull me out of the funk that I was in, not knowing which way was up or what to do with my life. And so I entered on a whim, signed up on a Sunday, thought that the pageant was a year from that date because I didn't realize how pageants work. That was November of 2019 and it was the Miss Wheelchair Virginia 2020 pageant. And so I thought I was entering for a year from then and it ended up being seven days from the day that I entered (laughs) And so I competed, um, absolutely never expecting to win. Um, When they called my name, I think I blacked out because I was just blown away and ended up absolutely loving it. It was the first time that I'd really ever done any public speaking regarding my disability at all. I mean, as nurses, we do tons of education and that's just something that we're used to, but I'd never done it on such a public stage before and I took to it like a fish out of water i just i loved it i wrote my speech for the miss wheelchair virginia pageant and that was the last speech i ever wrote <laughs> because it just i threw it away while i was on stage and i said all right i don't know how to do this i'm just going to talk and that's what i've been doing ever since um covet hit and the state ended up not doing a pageant that year and they said hey you're doing a really great job. Will you stay on for 2021? So I kept my title for two years. I still have it until the end of this year. And then I ended up travel and have traveled, continuing to travel all over the state of Virginia, advocating my first year, I advocated for mental health services for the disabled population. And then the second year, once I started kind of getting back to bedside, I started changing my platform to advocating for past and future and current. Uh, disabled healthcare workers. So now I do a lot of speaking to nurses, healthcare practitioners, uh, teaching hospitals, residents, reminding them that though hospitals are, you know, that's what we do every day. This is our norm. This is our every day we wake up and, you know, we clock in and hey, this is our job for our patients. Most of the time, it is not a good time in their life. It could be the worst time of their lives. And that is something that we often are not sensitive to. Like you'd said, we often forget that. It's very easy to. Some of us run code code blues, like it's, you know, that's just what we do after our lunch break and that's just how we live. And for our patients, these are life-changing events. And so I've taken my platform and gotten to travel all over and doing that. And this past August, I competed for Miss Wheelchair America And I did not win. And I was very heartbroken. And in that five minutes that I felt to be very heartbroken, they announced that they were honoring me with a lifetime achievement award for all of my advocacy work. And it was the first time I'd ever like gotten an award for what I was doing. And it was kind of just, I don't know, that was, that kind of hit me (laughs) really hard. And I realized I'm like, I think i'm finally doing what i'm supposed to be doing and kind of hit me that you know what if my disability changes and that has to change again that'll be okay i've got a support system and i've got the coping skills now that i think i could take it
0: well congratulations on that award it's very much deserved and ryan you have found your lane you've actually it's your passion it's your calling and i think many of us have an idea of kind of what we want to do Sometimes we get into it and we're like, no, that's not what I want to do. But, you know, in in all of the trial and errors, eventually we we get to a point, hopefully we get to a point where we find something that we truly enjoy, we're passionate about. And I think this is why you can find 30 hours in a 24-hour day to do everything that you do, because you're so passionate about it. It's so natural. It's innate. So for anyone out there who's struggling and is kind of unhappy in where you're working, reevaluate. Are you doing the things that are really bringing you joy that you're passionate about? Are these things that you would, although we do want to get paid, listen, you deserve to get paid for the work you do, but some of the things that you do, it's like, I would do these even if I didn't get paid because that's how much I enjoy it. That's how natural it comes to me. And I think when we find our our passion, our voice, it synergizes. And the work that we do like just multiplies, multiplies, and it bubbles over, which, Ryan, we can see in the work that you do because you've done so much. You've been such an, an inspiration for people, whether you know it or not so some people have told you but i bet you for every person who's told you there's someone who hasn't told you how much you've motivated them and i'm sure you've motivated several of the listeners that are listening today because you know sometimes we can get you know the wind knocked out of us when life doesn't go as we expected or planned and i know some of y'all are type a personalities and just let that go because life has a, a plan of its own and You know, we're just a part of it. And it's important that we play our parts. And Ryan has hella played the mess out of her part. I mean, like, really, guys, she has done an amazing job at the work. And, you know, you, you see this, you see this smile bubbly Ryan that's in front of you. But I know that there have been days where she probably didn't want to talk to anybody. She could have slapped somebody, say the wrong thing. And like, she just didn't, you know, the tears, you have a box of Kleenex with you. And the, and the nose of Steffi, like you saw them earlier, the boogers just start running down your nose. You can't help it. But one thing I have to say is that she stepped to it. She didn't give up. And in her living her life's journey and her pursuit, she's inspired and motivated millions of people, I'm sure. The people who follow her on social media, who hear her speak. And I'm glad, Ryan, that you are teaching these folks a thing or two about how to work with people with disabilities, things they need to consider. Because sometimes, unless you've gone through something, you don't really know about it. I totally after you know I thought that I was like a caring person but it was after my incident after my accident and then like issues with my my parents with them being in the hospital being on the other side of that that patient bed rail like being in the bed you have a newfound appreciation for like even that slightest wrinkle in the bed sheet oh mm-hmm. no get that wrinkle out like <laughs> those pillows that keep someone positioned in a certain way to body line listen Mm-hmm. I have a newfound appreciation for even the littlest things. So Ryan, nothing that, that you do has been little, just so you know. Myself, the folks at nurse.org, you guys, if you haven't already, visit nurse.org. There's a great article written about Ryan. Actually, I think she's, been, she's on there like on the website a couple of times. But you got to read the full write-up on her. Keep up with the things that she's doing. And Ryan, I know I've kept you after your night shift, but just real quickly, is there anything that you're working on right now that you want to share with listeners, that we can maybe be on the lookout for support you with or things that calls to action that you have for us that are listening
1: absolutely so right now i have um, a little bit left in my reign where i'm doing a few more speaking engagements as miss wheelchair virginia the next one coming up will be in october it will be a virtual um october is actually a disability employment awareness month i did not know this i just learned it you know, all those words. Well, no, we know it too. Good. Um, but I will actually be um, the keynote speaker for the National Institute of Health is honoring that um, in mid-October. The actual date is to be determined, but as soon as it is, it'll be up on my social media. So that I'm really looking forward to that one. It's been in the works for quite a few months. But other than that, looking forward to crowning the next Miss Military Virginia and kind of continuing on my advocacy journey and seeing where it takes me. Constantly posting on my social media through my journey and yes, things are looking
0: up. (laughs) Okay. And the social media, where can we find you again? Absolutely.
1: Um, so the main page is on Instagram. You can find me at chronically underscore Rye that's chronically underscore RY. You can also find me as chronically Rye on Twitter, TikTok, clubhouse, Facebook, and for youtube and then on linkedin under ryan mason r-y-a-n-n
0: mason like the jar all right thank you so much we appreciate that and guys for those of you who are listening you might be going through something a challenge a struggle have an obstacle maybe a dream was delayed but don't give up take a look at everything that's going on maybe you have to pivot a little bit but don't give up on your dreams okay Uh, nothing's crazy People can let them call it crazy if they want to, but it's only crazy until it happens. And as long as you don't give up, you can achieve those goals. So uh, Ryan, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. You guys make sure to visit nurse.org, a wonderful website full of all of the information you ever want to know for pre-nursing, nursing nursing students. Maybe you need to take the NCLEX. You're a a nurse already and you're thinking of pivoting. You want to become an advanced practice nurse. Anything and everything is on there for you from school to loans, to just things you should know as a nurse, Uh, make sure to please subscribe to the website. We're on all platforms. Yeah. It's called the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Alice. It's always a pleasure talking to you. So uh, get rid of the the disbelief, the doubts, the questions, and don't give up guys. Okay. So until next time, make good choices, be kind to one another and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.